In his new book, Human Work in the Age of Smart Machines, Jamie Marisotis shares his perspective on finding abundant and meaningful work in the 21st century as automation, artificial intelligence, and robots take over. Visit luminafoundation.org work to learn more. Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, we're covering new cases of coronavirus in the Vatican and how those could affect Vatican City's reopening. Then we'll talk about Cardinal George Pell's return to Rome and his meeting with the Pope. I'm Colleen Deli. This is Inside the Vatican. Good afternoon from New Orleans, Jerry. Good evening from Rome, Colleen. And Rome is quiet at this hour of night as there's been a resurgence of COVID and uh, the government has advised people to not gather in groups and to be very careful. And so people are, are worried. Mm-hmm. And not just in Italy, but also in Vatican City, right? We saw a few new cases of COVID in Vatican City recently, um, and they've kind of thrown into question what what the country's reopening will look like. So can you tell me about these new cases? Yes, it's a very serious situation in Vatican City, as far as I can see. The Pope has about 115, 120, 130 Swiss guards. These are young men from Switzerland, aged between 19 and 30, who come to give at least two years service uh, to protect the Pope. It's one of the oldest, perhaps the oldest standing army in the world. It goes back to 1506. Right. Back in the Middle Ages, Switzerland would send out military troops around the world. Yes, because they, the country was poor at that time and their mercenaries were good. And so they came and they've been with the Pope. And now in the Vatican city-state, you will see them guarding the main entrances, but also in Santa Marta, the guest house in the Vatican where the Pope is living. There are some outside the door, not usually in uniform, sometimes they are, but there's always one outside the door of his suite. And this is particularly concerning because there were four new cases among the Swiss guards recently. It's particularly concerning that the Pope has a habit, right from the beginning, of shaking hands with the Swiss guards. In the past, Popes didn't do that. But Francis shake hands with everybody. And he always shake hands with the Swiss guards who are around him. Now, the Swiss guards, most of them live in barracks inside the Vatican. Mm -hmm. And now the barracks have been isolated because Four of them have tested positive for COVID and are in isolation. They're trying to track all the people they have been in contact with. On top of that, three residents of the Vatican, who are not guards, who are obviously Vatican officials, employees, have also tested positive. That's seven people in right in this moment who are tested positive. This is in a small state which has less than a thousand residents. And the big concern is for the Pope, because the Swiss guards are the, around him all the time. But on the 6th of October, the governor of the Vatican City State, Cardinal Bertello, issued a decree that everybody inside the Vatican must wear a ma- the mask in public and also within the offices if there is not sufficient space for social distancing. 
So there's these directives that the Vatican employees have received saying that they need to wear a mask. Now, I have a question about that because we see Francis, Pope Francis, not wearing a mask a lot. So is he? why is he not following the directives? Well, this is a, the big question in the Vatican city-state. He wears a mask when he drives from Santa Marta to the audience in the car. Mm-hmm. When he gets out of the car, he doesn't wear mm-hmm. a mask. It, it's, it seems it's... It makes no sense to me. Uh, it... it <laughs> The problem is not the Pope not wearing the mask, but the Monsignor around him. You know, in these papal audiences, the Monsignors, they summarize the Pope's speech in the different languages, seven, I think. They don't wear masks. Well, and Jerry, I would say not just the Monsignors, but also we saw at the audience, yeah, the security guards, and we saw at the audience even a number of the guests who came up to greet the Pope were pulling down their masks or were not wearing masks, and he was kissing their hands. Yes, this is a disaster. This caused a lot of concern last week in the Vatican uh, because they said uh, the Pope is at risk. And uh, there have been talks that perhaps they may have to cancel the audiences if this continues. Wow. Because he comes up the center aisle. There is in this square where there are 500 people inside in the heart of the Vatican, about 250 on the left and 250 on the right behind barricades. But when he comes up the center, they all automatically rush to the barricade. And so you get this crowd uh, assembling together, which is really in total violation of all the rules that they're meant to respect. And so there there have been concerns as whether it may be necessary to cancel the audiences again. Now, Jerry, I want to go back to Francis here. Do we have any idea why why he doesn't wear a mask? We don't. Uh, The Vatican press office has been asked. I know I've talked to various people. I, I think, you know, this is a pope who from the beginning liked the body-to-body contact with people. Yeah, he's South American. It's in his culture, right? Yeah. I mean, he sees p- people he knows and he hugs them and kisses them. If if you've been in Argentina, as I've been many, many times, you, you go to a house, everybody hugs you and kisses you, men, women, everybody. It's deep in the heart of his culture. And he's made a very special uh, attempt to be close to people. You often hear him saying, when there's a big disaster, I'm close to you. He's talking about spiritually close, but also he he wants to be as physically close as possible to people. And this is why he goes to the war-torn states. But uh, I I think he he's aware now that uh, there's a question also that he there is this rule which is uh, meant to be a total obligation, absolute obligation within the Vatican City state. You wear a mask, not only in in the public square, but also in the offices or in other places, if you cannot respect the social distance. So, Jerry, do you think that these new cases could lead to Francis reevaluating his his own attitude towards the mask? I, I cannot speak for the Pope, Colleen, but I think definitely those in the Vatican will will draw his attention to this. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Of course, I mean, he he's the supreme legislator, but. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, he, he believes that he's always said, you know, when he's going on these trips and people say, are you never afraid that somebody will take you out? Mm-hmm. You know, they tried to assassinate Paul VI. They tried to assassinate John Paul II. And Francis always had this attitude of Francis he, says, didn't, he didn't mind, right? It drove his security people crazy. He says, I'm here because this is where God wants me to be. All I wish is that if I am hit, I don't suffer much. Yeah, I just think that it's it's tough to see him, you know, when 
it's also a matter of care for others, right? Not not just for his own health. Yeah. This is the reason he's made very clear he's not going to go on these trips around the world until there is a vaccine which doesn't just protect him and those who are with him, but protects the people. Because when he moves, he tends to attract people. He's like a magnet. So now people are very concerned for the Pope's health. And they're saying, can somebody tell him? Can somebody tell him? Can somebody protect him? And so in the Vatican, the, 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 I've heard people quite senior saying, well, maybe we should suspend the audiences. Mm-hmm. All right, Jerry. So we will keep our listeners up to date on what continues to happen with COVID and the Vatican and uh, also with Pope Francis and his own health and his own attitude towards masking. For our second story this week, Australian Cardinal George Pell returned to Vatican City at the end of September for the first time since Australia's highest court overturned his conviction of sexual abuse of a minor. Uh, And the big story this week is that Pope Francis met with Cardinal Pell yesterday on Monday, October the 12th, in a visit that I was surprised to see Vatican media gave a little bit of extra attention to. Uh, And Jerry, you pointed out that this was a sign that the Vatican wanted to make sure people knew about the meeting between Pell and the Pope. I'm wondering, just to start out with, why is that? What message are they trying to send? Well, Colleen, you have to go back to 29th of June, 2017. I remember being at the press conference when 9.30 in the morning, most unusual time for press conference, Cardinal Pell announced to the journalists that he'd been charged by the Victoria Police of the abuse of minors and he would have to return to Australia. And the Pope had given him permission in fact, the Pope wanted him to go back and defend himself. Mm-hmm. And that was the last time he was in the Vatican, right? That was the last time he, he left some shortly afterwards. So it's three years. He's more than three years he's been out of the Vatican. He went back and had the trials, which we've talked about. He was acquitted last April. The Supreme Court of Australia, unanimously, the judges of the Supreme Court, the High Court, concluded that the case against him did not stand up. They acquitted him and ordered his immediate release. He'd been 405 days in, in prison, practically all the time in solitary confinement. When he came out of prison, the day after he was approached by the journalists, and he said, I want to go back to Rome to meet the Pope. That was April. Then he sent a, a request to the Vatican asking, could he come back? He got clearance to come back, but the variety of things, including COVID, delayed it. He came back on the 30th of September, just two weeks ago. And then he, of course, had to undergo the test for COVID and etc. And so when he had got clearance on all this, he requested an audience with the Pope. He was given the audience on the 12th. Uh, The Pope met him around 12 o'clock. We've seen photos of it. He came with his secretary. The Pope said, good to see you. Thank you for your witness. Because he had, I remember well the the day 29th of June 2017, his words he repeated and repeated, I am innocent. I'm going back to clear my name. I am innocent. And he succeeded. And so when he came back, the Pope recognized this by having the audience in the setting of the Papal Library, where he meets head of state and distinguished guests and others. It was a very formal occasion, but it was also a 
a recognition before the world that I recognize this man was accused, was accused falsely, has been acquitted, and now I recognize him. Right. We should make it really clear that Cardinal Pell is not coming back to the Vatican to do some kind of job or or take his old job on, right? He's He has no responsibilities. He's just here, you know, to, to visit, basically. Yes, absolutely, because he, he was in the group of the Pope's nine cardinal advisors. The Pope took him out of that role and also two other cardinals in October of no- or November of 2019. He was also head of the Vatican Secretariat of the Economy, like the Ministry for Finance. Right, and he was seen as quite a financial reformer. He was, but he had that role. He was given it in February 2014 for five years. So in February 2019, his term of office ended and was not renewed. And of course, in the March, he was sentenced to prison. So he came back to Rome, not as somebody with a job or a task, but he has an apartment in Rome. He has some of his belongings. And as he said himself, he wanted to meet the Pope and talk with the Pope. Yeah. Now, I have a question about this, and maybe some of our listeners might as well. Uh, You know, we've talked before on the show about how the Vatican had launched a canonical investigation, basically a a church law investigation, into accusations against Pell uh, when this court case opened up in Australia. And, you know, it, it seemed odd to me that that investigation seems to have kind of faded into the background. We don't really think that it's going to happen anymore, which you and I have talked about on the show. And in the meantime, Pell returns to the Vatican and has this high-profile, formal, highly publicized audience with Pope Francis. That that seems a little odd to me. You know, why why have they taken this overturning of the conviction in one case kind of as as a reason not to pursue any further investigation into him? The Vatican opened its uh, investigation into what happened in Australia at the time he was sentenced to prison. But they made very clear that the Australian judicial process should complete its course because they did not want to be seen as intervening, interfering, or otherwise tampering with the process of justice in Australia. Cardinal Pell went through three levels. The first level, when he was convicted in the second trial, not in the first trial. Then in the appeals court, when he lost his appeal. And then in the high court, Australia's highest judicial. So he was, first of all, convicted in Australia, and then absolutely acquitted. And the unanimous decision of the Australians acquitted him. This was not the Vatican Court, it was the Australian justice system. And so the case against him was decided in Australia that it did not have legs. And that was, of course, a very important signal to the Vatican. And there is, I understand, a principle in law that a person is not tried on the same case when you get this complete exoneration. So the Vatican has not made any statement about its process, but my understanding is that because of this kind of understanding in the legal system, he, he will not go, nothing will happen. But you also have to understand that in Australia, one thing was the court case, which ended, the whole judicial process ended, totally acquitting him. Another thing was the Royal Commission set up, which worked for seven years, which did not reveal its findings on Cardinal Pell until the whole judicial process had ended. And 
those were very negative. Those were very, very negative. Then there was a, the said in Australian press that he was would also have to face civil charges on other cases. But uh, I haven't heard much about this. And it was my understanding that the canonical investigation was supposed to include some of those other cases that were going to have civil cases brought. But Well, it is your understanding, but the Vatican never spelled out its terms of reference. Got it. Uh, it said it was opening an investigation. That's all it said. It never said into what, but the understanding, the context was over the Melbourne Cathedral choir boys' abuse. Right. Jerry, I have one last question on this story, which is, you know, this is all happening. Pell is visiting the Vatican, meeting the Pope. Uh, just after Cardinal Angelo Becciu, uh, who Pell, you know, kind of clashed with in, in terms of finance, uh, was asked to resign his rights as a cardinal recently. And, you know, now we know that he's under investigation for a variety of financial misdeeds. And I've heard some commentators saying, oh, well, this this meeting that the Pope is having with Pell is, is Cardinal Pell's victory lap around Betu, you know, signaling that he finally beat him. I'm curious what you make of that reading. Well, two things. First of all, it's public record that Cardinal Betu blocked many of Pell's some of the major initiatives by Pell to reform and to actually get all the Vatican accounts audited. He blocked that. There's no question. It's, it's there in black and white. It's also on record, Cardinal Becciu, in the press conference after the Pope asked him to resign and to uh, relinquish his rights as a cardinal, Cardinal Becciu revealed, we didn't know, that in a meeting with the Pope, Cardinal Pell had accused him of being dishonest. Now, these are the facts. There are many today in the Vatican say Cardinal Pell was on the right track, but he wasn't working very well with people. And this rather hobbled him, hampered him, that he wasn't very good at cooperating with people. In any case, much of what Cardinal Pell was advocating has now become Vatican law. And I think we will see more developments. I think our listeners should be very clear that Pope Francis has carried forward enormous reform of the Vatican finances. It's still underway, and there's more to come, I understand. Much of it had been advocated by Pell, but in a way that would never have got through. The, his successor, the Jesuit father, Spanish Jesuit father, Juan Antonio Guerrero, has, is much, has been much more able at uh, navigating the system. And also, Pope Francis has put in uncompromising magistrates and judicial authorities in the Vatican and gave them very clear instructions. You follow where the evidence takes you, no matter how high up. He's made very clear there is no protected species in the Vatican anymore in these kind of questions or indeed in the abuse questions. And it was that attitude of, of you know, no one, no one is immune, no one is, you know, above the law that made Francis not only uh, have Betsu under investigation, because that was where, where the investigation led, but also that was what led him to send Cardinal Bell back to Australia to stand this trial. So I think that all the way through this story, you see signs of Francis's reforms. Yes. By uh, telling Pell to go back to Australia and defend yourself, the Pope was making very clear that lifting immunity 
Francis is protecting no one in, 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 the, in either field, either the abuse field or in terms of the financial field. All right, Jerry, I think that we're going to leave our story right there. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me tonight. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Colleen. And uh, good evening to our listeners. Or good morning when they're listening to this. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have much to follow up uh, in, in the coming weeks. I think we're going to have a very interesting autumn with many changes happening here. All right. Well, stay tuned for that here on Inside the Vatican. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn. Production assistance from Kevin Christopher Robles. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at INSDEVaticanPod. That's inside, without the second I, Vatican Pod. You can also email us your comments and questions at insidethevatican at americamedia.org. For American Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Dully. We'll see you next time. <laughs>